This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? Oh, I trust so. Bless your heart. I'm glad to be back with you. We want to look at Mark chapter 9 now. We just got into it the last time we got together. It's a story of what we call the transfiguration, where the Lord Jesus Christ turned up the lamp of deity, so to speak, until his glory was shining through. His uh, raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow. And uh, this tallies, of course, as I mentioned to you, with the description of the risen, glorified Christ as given to us by John the Apostle in the first chapter of uh, Revelation. It also tallies with Daniel's description of the Lord Jesus in a theophany that occurred uh, centuries before our Lord's advent here into this world. So there's no doubt but that uh, each of these persons described is the same wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the disciples were astounded. It said they were sore afraid, verse 6 of Mark chapter 9. Peter, of course, always had to be vocal. I, I always laugh at the fact that you, as you follow Simon Peter through the gospel stories, he's always answering and saying. Now, nobody asked him anything, but he answered and said. He had to speak up. And it says he didn't know what to say. He wished not what to say. So he said something perfectly stupid. He said, let's make three lean-to shacks, booths, here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elias. Now, in saying that, of course, he made the mistake of lumping deity together with these two patriarchs, Moses and Elijah. And uh, God didn't stand for that because uh, the voice came out of the cloud and said, this is my beloved son, hear him. God says, I am the Lord and my glory will I not share with another. You need to put him first. If he isn't Lord of all, he isn't Lord at all, someone has said. And so they were immediately corrected by the voice that came out of the cloud. And then it said, suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. This is my beloved son, hear him. And they saw no man save Jesus only with themselves. I began to think about that phrase, Jesus only. Now, there's a whole theological uh, set of beliefs that has grown up into a denomination. I'm not going to get into that. I'm simply going to say that those two words, Jesus only, remind us that we trust him alone for salvation. Peter said, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so it's Jesus only for salvation. There isn't any other way. Now, this is a source of offense, of course, to the people in the world, the radio and television commentator, the talk show host, 
the liberal critic, the uh, pagan educator, all alike have a, uh, a deep resentment for any kind of a belief that says you have to do it this way or not at all. And yet we didn't make the rules, God did. And he said, this is my beloved son, hear him. None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I may be talking to someone right now who is resentful about the exclusivity of the Christian message, and you say, what right do Christians have to say that this is the only way to be saved? Well, bless your heart, Christians didn't start it. Almighty God did. And so your quarrel is with him. That's what Paul points out in Romans 1, that the quarrel God has with the heathen is that they don't want him to be God. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And so on. Romans 1, read it for yourself. God is, is, is rejected routinely by the unbelieving heart. And I learned from David Morkin, my dear friend of many years, this statement. He said, Bob, the unsaved heart cannot rest until it is organized in opposition to God. That's why you find so many people in high positions of education and otherwise who are uh, strangely hostile to the Christian faith because they can't leave it alone. They can't let alone something that demands complete loyalty. They have to fight it. That that explains the hostility that you sense in your own in your own office or shop or schoolroom or maybe in your own home where people are unsaved and they can't let you alone. It's it's in the very nature of things that they have to fight it because they are rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't get upset if people seem to fight you because they're not fighting you, they're fighting him. It said, Marvel not if the world hates you, for they hated me before they hated you, Jesus said. Now, that's a fact that, that we need to reckon with. Don't get upset by it. Don't get paranoid and defensive about it and say, everybody's out to get me. Oh, no. You can be friendly, you can be wholesome, and you can be successful as a Christian, and people around you will respect you, and many of them will love you. The fact is, however, that you mustn't get upset when you find that unbelievers are opposing your Christian faith because they have to. They don't have any other choice. If you don't choose to receive Jesus, you're going to end up fighting him, aren't you? So uh, Jesus only for salvation. I wonder if today, instead of opposing God, instead of arguing about it, why do I have to do it this way? Why don't you try God's gracious plan of salvation? The Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Becoming a Christian is as simple as opening a door. The Savior said, this is his word. Behold, I stand at the door. That's the door of your life. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. Dear friend, it's as simple as opening a door. By faith, open your life to Christ. Stop arguing about it. Stop fighting him. 
Be reconciled to God. This is the plea of every gospel and preacher and missionary and believer everywhere. Paul says, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Don't fight him any longer. Invite him in. Then it's Jesus only for power. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Our Savior said, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations and so on. The Great Commission. Power. Power to live. Power to obey. Power to preach. Power to win. Power in the Lord Jesus Christ. Simon Peter was accosted. Peter and John, the two of them, were accosted by the beggar person there at the gate of the temple. And Peter said, look up. And the man looked up expecting to receive something of them. We read in Acts chapter 3, And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, rising up, went with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Dr. Pettengill used to stop and chuckle right here and say the testimony of his leaps was greater than the testimony of his lips. <laughs> well, power, power to live, power to win, power to obey, power to resist the forces of Satan. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But we have the victory. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Dr. O.J. Smith, who's now with the Lord, my dear friend of many years, used to say, get to know the victor and you'll have the victory. Get to know the victor, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll have the victory. And then, and Jesus only for completeness. Ye are complete in him who is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The, the head of all power and the essence of God. Ye are complete in him, the head of all principality and power. Buried with him, risen with him, quickened with him, and made complete in all of your life. Uh, I'm speaking, I'm sure, to those here and there who have that that nagging sense of of incompleteness and unfulfillment. You wake up and you think, oh, well, another day. And you're not particularly thrilled at having to live through another day because there doesn't seem to be much for which to live. Am I talking to you, beloved, about that? Now listen to me. The Bible says ye are complete in him. When you yield your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and make him Lord of your life, that means Lord of your feelings, Lord of your mind, Lord of your methods, Lord of your desires, Lord of your life goals, Lord of your relationships with others. Make him Lord of all. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life as Lord, he fills it full of meaning. Yes, he does so that every day is an adventure with your blessed Lord Jesus Christ. You're complete in him. No longer are you striving to fulfill the law in order to gain salvation, 
because Christ has already fulfilled it, and you obey God's precious word now, not to be saved, but because you are saved. You, he says, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that ye should walk in them. That's Ephesians 2.10 that I quoted there. So that uh, completeness in the Lord Jesus Christ is freedom from the slavery of having to keep God's law in order to try to be saved. Now you are a child of God, and Christ in you is fulfilling God's holy law. Paul says in Romans that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, we who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, complete in Christ, a life that is full of meaning, It means something now for eternity because you know that every word and every action can be used of God to help others to come closer to the Lord and to find faith in Christ. Meaning for your own self, fulfilling those desires, those hopes, those dreams, those ambitions that all of us have, but which so frequently are unfulfilled or are smashed upon the rocks of disappointment. Christ can fill your life full of meaning and usefulness and peace and joy. Yes, he can. Jesus only for completeness. And then, of course, for hope and confidence. Paul says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That's judgment day. That's the day when the reckoning comes. You have hope and confidence in the Lord Jesus right straight through your life. Hallelujah. Jesus is enough. Jesus only. Dear Father, today may we enjoy that completeness that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray in his name. Amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.